Good morning. Welcome to our daily podcast here at Trinity. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and we're glad to have you here on this Friday. I'm going to read a passage from Joshua 5. It's actually a fairly long passage uh, detailing a pivotal moment in Israel's history. Then we're going to pray and spend some time together here at the beginning of our day or whenever it is you're listening to this, thinking about the Bible and specifically asking the Lord what he has for us uh, in his word as we think and reason and ponder together. Let's read. When all the kings of the Amorites beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibbeth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who had come out of Egypt, all the warriors had died during the journey through the wilderness after they'd come out of Egypt. And although all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people born on the journey through the wilderness after they'd come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the Israelites traveled 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the warriors who came out of Egypt, perished, not having listened to the voice of the Lord. To them, the Lord swore that he would not let them see the land, that he had sworn to their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was to their children, whom he raised up in their place, that Joshua circumcised, for they were the uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of all the nation was done, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. So that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening of the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on the very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land. And the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Once when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, Are you one of us or one of our adversaries? He replied, Neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, What do you command your servant, my Lord? And the commander of the army said to Joshua, Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray before we ponder. Father, we ask for grace to think about the Bible, to see this beautiful and strange story in the Israelites' history and in Joshua's life as an invitation for us to receive truth and to maybe incorporate some patterns of behavior into our life. Help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I chose this from the Daily Lectionary because I think this story actually uh, tells us what happens after we've crossed one major obstacle but have more obstacles in front of us. See, the Israelites are like literally on the threshold. Uh, they had crossed over um, the Jordan River. Uh, if you read the story just prior, uh, they had seen God's miraculous provision, not unlike the provision they experienced early in their Exodus journey. Uh, they were standing at the threshold of the promised land and the river was flooded and the Lord parted the river and they were able to walk by on dry ground. But now that they've made it through, they're camping in the fields that lead to Jericho, a massive walled city. 
they are past the point of return. They're committed to a process of making this land their own, and they're staring, like actually staring, at an obstacle that seems probably to them bigger and more dangerous than any they've faced. It's one thing to cross a river through God's provision. It's another thing to sit at the edge of a massive city with an army uh, inside those walls and say, what are we going to do next? So what do they do when they make it into that in-between place? And many of us right now, I think, probably would do well to ask this question, what do we do when we're in an in-between place? We've made it through some challenges, and yet we know that we have other, maybe greater challenges ahead of us. Well, the thing they do is they circumcise their males. (laughs) And we think about this, and it's just so awkward, right? It's like all of these adult uh, males are circumcised out in the field, and um, I, I just shudder, frankly, to even think about it. But we need to move past the act of circumcision to see what it meant. If you go all the way back in the Bible, circumcision has always been a sign of inward keeping. It's a marking of a hidden part, a vulnerable, intimate part, namely the heart is what it speaks to, that, that causes us to remember that we're in covenant with God. And so what the Jews are doing in this moment, this in-between place, this uncomfortable liminal space, is they're choosing to worship and be prepared. So rather than shrinking back and thinking, well, Jericho's too big, or rather than pushing ahead to Jericho in presumption in their own strength, they stop and they tend to their intimate heart space. They worship God as an act of preparation. And I would say for you and me, When we're in seasons of transition, I believe the Lord always calls us to tend to heart work. Um, If we rush out on our own and we try to take care of matters in our own hands and our own strength, we miss so much of what God has for us. See, the Jews had gone, as the text tells us in great detail, uh, a long time without circumcising any of their children. See, everyone who left Egypt, they were circumcised. But those who had been born along the way... And I love that phrase in this passage. Those who came into the story kind of on the way in this vagabond journey, they'd not taken time to circumcise those kids. And so you had a whole group of people who were essentially um, behind the curve when it came to devotion. And I think for many of us right now, as we sit in the midst of all the uncertainty and upheaval that we're facing as a culture, we probably would like the Israelites to admit that we're a little bit behind the curve when it comes to devotion and preparation. We feel a little bit out of step just trying to keep up. And when you've come a long way, but have a long way in front of you, it's really important to stop and evaluate whether there are places in your life that are having a hard time keeping up, places where you would be prone to drift off course. And for a lot of us right now, I think one of the best spaces to begin to ask those questions is just to look at our appetites, uh, the way that we're spending our time, our energy, our money, and see whether or not there are places where we are manifesting an inability to keep up, that we're a little bit behind the curve. We're quote-unquote uncircumcised. So what do you do when you realize that you're behind? Well, the text tells us that the Jews prepared for what's next by engaging in a time of remembering. They're camped at a place called Gilgal, G-I-L-G-A-L, located on the plains of Jericho, right outside the city. And this place is really significant for two reasons. One is stated in our passage, and another one is stated just a a few chapters before in the book of Joshua. Um, It's very important that the Jews take time to remember, to Gilgal, literally Gilgal, before they move forward. 
See, if we move forward, if we just rush ahead to our Jerichos and fight the next battle without remembering, we're going to miss out on a lot of what God has for us. And frankly, uh, we'll probably enter into a battle in our own strength and then lose our courage really quickly. So if you look back, the Jews had piled 12 giant stones uh, at the edge of the Jordan River in Gilgal as a memorial to the Jews of their crossing over the Jordan River. They had taken 12 giant stones from the bottom of the river, pulled it out of the river once it parted, and placed it as a stack, a piled reminder of God's past faithfulness. I think for you and me, one of the most important parts of creating these Gilgals in our life, these moments of remembering, is that we then are able to pile up memorial stones to remind ourselves and our friends and our family of God's work on our behalf in the past. If you're going to be a person who's able to, to face the challenges of your tomorrow, you're going to need to increasingly remember God's provision of yesterday. So the 12 stones happened at Gilgal. We're also told in this text that they celebrate the Passover. Before they engage in a battle, they eat a meal. Um, they, they remember God's faithfulness in delivering them from Egyptian bondage by engaging in a meal right now, right then, that said, God, you did it in the past. You're going to do it again. And I would say to you that Gilgal, that idea of remembering, you need a place of remembering. You need a place where you can stack up your stones and eat your Passover meal. You've got to look back and see God's provision if you're going to be the kind of person who's going to step forward with any kind of courage or confidence and face the battles of tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you, we all have battles waiting for us for tomorrow. We don't get a break from that. So if you don't get a break from tomorrow's challenges, where are you cultivating your memory? See, the Jews were really good at remembering. Their remembering actually located them in a wider story, gave them confidence to face tomorrow's challenges. And we as a culture are not good at looking back. We're always kind of plowing ahead, thinking about tomorrow. But I believe that one of the invitations in front of us today is to cultivate intentional places and spaces for remembering, for worshiping, so that we would have the courage and the clarity to move forward in life. See, the camp at Gilgal was within sight of Jericho. And I think that your places of remembering also need to be located within the normal events of your life, within sight of tomorrow's challenges. For me, Gilgal manifests in two primary spaces. One is out in the woods walking my dog and walking with my wife in the morning. That's a place where I remember. I cultivate memory as I walk and talk and pray. I also cultivate remembering as I sit on my couch every morning with my coffee and my Bible, spending time with God praying. I want to encourage you to cultivate places for remembering because places for remembering that are located within the ordinary, within the landscape of your life, within sight of Jericho, tomorrow's challenge is going to give you the courage to be the kind of woman God wants you to be, the kind of man God wants you to be. And I love the fact that before they go take Jericho, Joshua, he has his own burning bush moment. He has a moment like Moses' moment as he's preparing to face the great challenge of tomorrow. Uh, an, a stranger appears with a drawn sword. And Josh's first question is, well, whose side are you on? And he says, are you for me or for my enemies? And I love actually the way that the New King James phrases it. The, the person just looks at him and says, no. <laughs> He doesn't even say neither like we see in the NRSV. He just says no, like you're asking the wrong question. God didn't come to take your side or your enemy's side. God came to take over. 
And so that leads us to Joshua's second question. First question was, whose side are you on? Are you for me? Are you going to support my cause? Well, the second question he asks after he realizes that God wants to be in control is he says, what do you require of me? The answer to that question, what do you require of me? God always answers worship. I want you to ascribe worth to me. I want you to take off your sandals. You're in a holy place. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're in a place of saying, God, whose side are you on? And what the Lord wants is you to pivot that question to say, God, what are you asking of me? What do you require of me? And when that question is put to the human soul, the answer must always be from the heart of God, I want you to take off your shoes, take a low posture and worship. I believe that it's in that worship, ascribing worth to God, that we're able to fight our Jericho battles, the battles of tomorrow. God bless you. Go in peace.